This episode of the Oral History Podcast is sponsored by the Booklist Reader, a book blog offering opinion, news, and lists from the bespectacled word nerds at Booklist Magazine and Booklist Online. Whether you're seeking fresh fodder for your book group or audiobooks to help while weigh your commute, you're sure to find what you need at www.booklistreader.com. While you're there, make sure you sign up to receive daily updates via email. They're like love letters for your inbox. A tawdry piece of rag fiction meant to titillate the young among us. The language is sophomoric, and the plot unfolds like a Jerry Springer episode. This is not a book for young adults, and in fact, in a twisted way, some may think it works to promote sexual relationships between youngsters and their teachers. Hey, Carrie, what are you reading right now? Hey, Krista. Um, oh, I just, I'm actually uh, reading fiction, which is a shocker, I oh, guess. I know. Um, uh, I just finished this book called The Lie Tree by Frances Harding, um, which is a young adult uh, novel that was very delicious and absorbing. Um, and now I'm reading what I guess is an adult novel. I don't, it has a teenage protagonist. Um, called History of Wolves by Emily Friedland, and that's beautiful. Both of those novels just have really beautiful sentences and and images, and the writing's beautiful in addition to the plot being really exciting. So That's nice. That History of Wolves, I've heard a lot of great things about. And yes, it does have a teen protagonist. That's the new move. There's a lot of books, especially on... You know, I've noticed on the Indie Next list that have uh, adult books that have teen protagonists. Um, what are you reading? I am reading. Well, actually, I just finished um, Frederick Bachman's A Man Called Uva, mm-hmm. um, which I liked. Um, it was very Scandinavian, I guess I would <laughs> say about it. I was very like, I don't know. There was something very Minnesota about it, even though he's Swedish. Um yeah, so I liked it. I liked it. It's you got to kind of pull through the threads to see the depth of it otherwise, but uh, I liked it. Um, and then right now I just started reading um, Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give, which I think comes out next month in the YA world. Um, yep. And then in nonfiction, um, I am reading, I'm sort of in the midst of reading that little book of Huga. Which, um, for those who don't know that, that is how you say that word, which is H-Y-G-G-E. It's huga, um, which is like the Danish, uh, it's sort of the de rigueur, uh, Danish way of living your life in comfort and candles, essentially. <laughs> like, I think God. that's the best I could say about it. It's like soup and blankets and candles. Um, but, you know, it's nice. Um, so, yeah, that's well. What- well needed at this point in history. Um, okay, just a reminder for listeners that if you're interested in a more in-depth written piece about today's topic, which is school dances, um, you can sign up for our tiny letter, which we'll link in the show notes. Today's conversation is more of a fun topic for me personally, um, because as Carrie said, it is school dances. Um, this com- this topic has been covered widely in a lot of contemporary YA books, and I would say also in a lot of fantasy books, there's a- some sort of variation of that, like a winter ball or whatever that thing that happens at Harry Potter where Hermione, like... The Yule Ball. The Yule, the Yule Ball, Yule yes, ball. where she makes her teeth smaller, that. There's always, it seems like there's a fantasy equivalent to this, and part of the reason it's a personal favorite of mine is that I feel like for all that it's it's talked about of the 16 possible dances that I could have gone to in my high school because we had homecoming and we had um, King of Hearts and oh, that which is like the the what did they Sadie Hawkins kind of thing and then we had like a spring thing and then we had uh, prom and of all those uh, dances I w- went to two of them. Um, so I I have a lot of I guess to say about this topic and then not also and equally not a lot of knowledge on that. Well, okay, um, that's a fuckload of dances you could have gone to. I think we should just dive in, and you better get 
Give us some details about the two oh, dances uh, my, my that two you dances. attended. Well, no, yeah. I feel like what I need to start off to say is that um, one of the things that I, I feel like has always been troubling and, and still continues to be troubling to me is this idea that prom or actually any school dance, I mean, prom in particular, but any school dance is sort of this like be all end all aspirational thing. And there's such a, you know, just fantastic thing about it that like even when you're a kid you're kind of led into this like when you're little you're kind of led into this this oh it's going to be amazing and there's all this fanfare around it and of course you know when I first started in high school I wasn't invited to homecoming my freshman year which you know was fine and then um but I really wanted to be and then um I I feel like I had a, a circumstance happen that uh, for King of Hearts that year, which that was what our Sadie Hawkins was, was a, a girl-esque guy or girl-esque someone else. Um, we had, uh, I was like kind of mustered up the courage to ask the like B-Squad freshman uh, quarterback. So I, like, I have to caveat that because I want to be like, oh, I asked the quarterback. But really, like, he was like the B squad <laughs> on the freshman team, not even JV, like the freshman team B squad. Um, but he was in a lot of my classes. He was a smart kid. And he was in a lot of my classes. And I asked him, like, I just it took me all day to like, get up the courage. And I think between like sixth and seventh period, I walked out of the class with him after sixth period. And then I asked him, and he stood there and stared at me. And you know, the time between those periods, like it can go really fast, but sometimes it could also be like six fucking of the longest minutes of your life. Right. And he stared at me the whole time, did Ugh. not say a thing. And I was like, oh my God, you're not going to say anything. And I just stared back, like waiting for this answer in this endless endless six minutes i mean i i i feel like it was like the worst six minutes of my life so humiliating and he said nothing the whole time so what i know nothing and then finally i i have to go because like the first bell rings or whatever the before the tardy bell and so right. i turn and I just walk to my next class. And then he turns and goes and gets his shit out of his locker. And the worst part is, I mean, this is like the really humiliating part about the whole thing is that I um, kind of had this like never been kissed type of fantasy that he would actually just come, that he didn't have, like that he was gonna show up to my house and get me to go to this dumb dance that he never said anything <laughs> about. Even though it was like a couple weeks away, he never talked to me about it again. We didn't have a conversation about it at all. What? A okay, I where know, is the home example. training on that young man? <laughs> know, Whoever his right? parents are, are garbage. Know. You know, you I have know. to respond to queries, young man. What a loser. Fuck him. <laughs> No, it was the worst. And then, but what was so worse was like that I was like deluded into thinking like maybe he just didn't know how to say yes. And so he's just going to come because like that's just going to be the way that it's going to uh, play out in some sort of movie esque, like 90s movie esque type of thing. You're killing me, small. Oh my God. Worst, oh my God. I hate that guy. I know. Okay. So I feel like so much of my own experiences with school dances is like wrapped around this one kind of scenario. And so I feel the other two dances are like kind of non dances like they were with friends who I was basically doing a favor for. Um, like one guy, it was like his prom and he didn't have anyone to go with and it was his senior prom and I was a junior at the time. And I think I was even like dating someone else, but I just was like, sure, I'll do you a salad. But then he, he ended up being such a wet blanket that you know how prom is supposed to be like 24 hours long, which is such a so fucking Ugh. ridiculous but you know how like there's like pre-prom and after prom and then you're supposed to spend like the weekend at someone's cabin in the woods or some damn thing yes. right so instead like we were supposed to do all that and i like fake sick so i could come home 
It's just the worst. Well, I feel bad for this guy now. But I just was like, he was so dumb and ridiculous that I was like, oh, you're, so, you're such a bummer. I'm going to just seems, go Prom seems like a lot of rubbing for very little warmth to me. And it did at yes. the time, too. I mean, it only seemed like fun if you were going with someone that – wanted to go with you that you were having sex with or dating or being with in some other way. And then it was just another night for you to stay out and get kind of drunk and paw at each other, you know, which is, I think, fair to say, like, you know, prom seemed like sort of like a not really parentally okay, but sort of sanctioned way to orchestrate definite sex if you're having sex. But that was not, you know, on my I mean, I was having sex, but that was not on my well, it, in ha- like books that kind of have that as like the the you know the linchpin of the climax is that they're going to prom and then on prom night the penis is going to enter the vagina because these are typically heterosexual narratives where uh, you know queer people are don't go to prom because they are invisible or whatever the hell. Um, so that whole kind of trope is sort of tired in YA and also just in in parental imaginations. I mean, you can have sex from, you know, 3.05 to 4.15 after school before your parents get home. You don't have to have a fucking gown on. Definitely. Beforehand. Definitely. But- I mean, I could orchestrate sex way easier on a lot of different fronts than any kind of dance sex, because to me, dance sex is a big hassle. You know, because you still have to figure it all out. Whereas like, you know, other things like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and I mean, the other thing is that because of that sanctioned by school and family, then we have to take pictures of you. And then where where's everyone going to take pictures? And I know this because my nephew's gone to a couple dances and we've I wanted to go see his him and his outfit and his date and her outfit. And so, you know, well, where are they going? Are they going to the park? Well, I don't know. Oh, no, they're going over to so-and-so's house. Okay, well, what time is that? I don't know. You know, like, they are so fucking disorganized anyway. Like, nobody knows what the hell's happening. And so there's all these parents, like, sort of hanging around in a sort of sad, eager way. And um, my nephew, in fact, was talking to his friends a few weeks ago, and I was sitting around with them, and they were like, God, you know, the only part that's fun about, you know, formal dances is going out to dinner. After that, it's fucking boring. Like, I totally think <laughs> Once so you go too. to the dance, they don't want to dance. They don't care about the music. They don't want to stand there. They don't want to be in the Grand March. Like, and then after that, like... Um, the pressure to, you know, go do something that's like super exciting and raging and that no parents know about somehow magically like that was always, you know, quite a feat to pull off. I mean, if you ever want to underestimate teenagers, just consider how many of them figure out a way to get a hotel on prom night, which is well known to most of the community and none of them are of age, right? But that the one I went to two formal dances and one of them um, we went to someone's house afterwards and the parents just let us stay there all night, which was nice. Um, and then the the other one I went to, uh, we got a hotel somehow and I can't remember how it happened. My date was just a friend of mine and it wasn't like romantical in any way. I just wanted to go, which is super weird. Cause Can we unpack though how one does get the hotel? I mean, I, not to not to be well, able to be instructive here to our younger right. re- listeners, well, but at the same time, like I still to this day, like I guess I kind of get it. You know, it, I, I don't I really get the, the motivation of the adult who does it, but I think in this case it was maybe my sister's boyfriend who they were in college maybe he did it or someone else had it set up and then um they just figured it out you know is this like the guy who will always buy you a keg that guy is that you gotta get that guy on lock well and especially when when we were younger trying to get people to buy us beer there was one girl who was really good at it she was really bold and she's really cute and her her little system was you never ask a lady a lady's always gonna say no you ask a guy a younger guy and you know you kind of flirt with them and i'm and she would totally do that and i was like i would never do that yeah, but like no. i think it's that same fucking guy who's like Sure, I'll take your $50 and buy you a 12-pack and keep this change. 
bitch. You know, but he's like, he has a little sympathy for her situation. That's the same kind of person that would get the hotel room. But all, yeah. also, I know that, you know, now and in, in the later years, like the hotels in the area and some small towns would know when prom was. And they would be very clear about, you know, not having underage people there without an adult. And they would look for that. And I'm guessing that's a little harder to do in some communities now. I I don't fucking know. Um, I mean, either. I don't know. I, I, if I ever have a kid who goes to prom, I'll have to figure out how this all gets orchestrated. I don't know. Yeah. It, it also well, seems like we're in I, at least the community I am. Well, and you're, you're in Minneapolis. You have the same thing. It's like there are a lot of cabins around here. With, like people mm. are cabin people. I don't even know. I could never own a second home. I could barely figure out my first one. But uh, it feels like p- around here, at least, like that's the thing to do after prom is like the cabin, the long weekend at someone's cabin. Well, so this is another scenario. So I remember, um, you know, there were boys that my nephew knows they would go to prom with a girl who had a different boyfriend who was older who was like 20 right Mm -hmm. and in our school they're really strict about who can go to sports events and who can go to the dances you have to have a school id you know there's all these kinds of rules and certainly if you're 20 they're not interested in you attending prom right so i'm wondering if you're 20 why you would be interested hello that's a different show but anyway (laughs) like the 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 girl went with one of my nephew's friends and they went as friends. And then after prom, they all went to her boyfriend's apartment because he had a place for them to, you know, get loaded and whatever the fuck they were going to do, you know? And so that's another thing, like, um, the whole romantic notion on its face, like kids just kind of manipulate that. Like, well, no, what I really want to do is this, but anyway, you know, uh, it has nothing to do with like their highest hopes for courtship in a lot of ways. Um, But then there the difference in a lot of schools. Like I remember our high school allowed, you know, girls would bring boys from other schools and older guys and nobody would say anything. You just had to buy the prom tickets from the student council people. It wasn't like they did a fucking background check, you know. Um, So, but at my nephew's school, which is the school my daughter will go to next year, I mean, they do breathalyzers before you can even go into a regular dance. You know, they'll do everyone in line or they'll say, oh, we'll do every third person in line. And, you know, it's like a total bummer. I I was like... Yeah, so ultimately, the dance of the whole thing, you know, apparently today, like it was 20 years ago, was kind of the bummer of the whole thing, is the actual dance itself is really like not nothing special there. Right. Um, did you guys have it like, was your prom on like on some at some place or was it just in your gym? Because I know this goes both ways too. In no, terms it, of, it, like pulling it, together things. No, it never was in our gym. I wonder why that was. I have no idea. It was always in um, like there was like a ballroom, an actual ballroom in our town. And so it was there once. I think once it was in a like a conference or a, a banquet room at a hotel. It was always in a different spot. And that's also the case with um, the high school my my daughter will go to. They have it in a different location. It's not at the school. And I don't know if that's because of insurance or, you know, like legal reasons or whatever, but it's never at right. the But the other dances are. So my guess is it's right. just that they're trying to make that special somehow. And, and yeah. like justify the fact that they're you got to pay 50 bucks or whatever to do that. Right. Um, and, and I think like the whole notion of decorating for prom or being on the prom committee, I don't, I never had any, any notion of that. I don't remember having that in our high school. I don't know if there were parents involved. Um, well, that I sounds like told. a joiner thing, which neither of you, yeah. <laughs> you or I were not joiners. So I imagine no. that like that would, that sounds like a student council thing or something that, uh, that that's outside of our purview. Did you get laid at your dances? I forgot. Did, did you say that? Did I, get, did I get laid? Yeah. Um, uh, so I will tell one dance story. So like I went to a formal dance with my boyfriend who I loved and then we went to someone's house and got all naked all night or whatever. I don't think we had sex. Anyway, you know, it was probably not parent approved what we did. But anyway, it didn't matter. We were in their basement. No one knew. Um, 
but the only time I ever did anything that was remotely like, I guess, sexual at a dance, because I always would go and it and no one had there was one time someone asked me and I was excited to go with him and it was homecoming. But then all my friends got busted for drinking behind the school by the cops and they were super sad and, you know, freaked out. And so I had to focus on their problems instead of my, you know, wonderful night with this dude. Um, the only time that I ever did anything sexual at a dance was I was, I think I was drunk at every single dance I ever went to. If I wasn't drunk, I didn't bother to go, which is pretty sad, but actually, you know, whatever. Um, so I, (laughs) hence the reason breathalyzers now exist at your nephew's school. The other thing is I kind of look at it as, and I know like my Spanish teacher, he must've known he could just smell my cigarette breath and my beer breath, but he knew that we were getting picked up because we were younger. And so maybe he just didn't care. I don't fucking know. Anyway, we, um, I went to this dance and I had broken up with this other dude and he was kind of a, one of those dudes who wouldn't let go and he was a lot older than me and he was a pain in the ass and he only would go to the, the he only went to this particular event because I was there and um, like I can't remember I, I was there I don't remember seeing him at first and I remember just being really drunk and running up to this boy that I liked and talking to him and then we just kissed and it was like my idea like that's never my idea like I'm always like I'll just wait until that you think that's the idea and we'll do that but I'm not gonna start it you know (laughs) (laughs) beta uh, 100% beta over there seriously such a bottom back of the pack dog right here and um but no I just rushed up to him and he was like excited to see me and all the alcohol in my guts told me that I should just kiss him even though he was six foot seven and much taller and so I totally did it was like one of those pinnacle moments you remember as like whoa that took a lot of balls and nothing really happened except the other boyfriend ex-boyfriend was standing in the background like glowering and being a big asshole and bugging all my friends and staring at me and then I it just ruined the whole night and I remember leaving and he was following me and hollering at me and I got in the back of someone's car and I could see him like bearing down walking to me and I was so drunk and so I like reached over and pushed locked the door (laughs) to keep him from coming in and talking because I just was like please get the fuck out of my face and he ended up like going around the other door and I was just besieged by his shittiness and so like those this two is things. a lot of drama. This it's, feels like a lot of drama. They don't write like, about this in young adult books. I'm telling you right now. Well, whatever. And I avoid dances in my books, so it's probably never going to happen. Yes, I remember but, when you and I had that conversation where I was like, eh, I might cut this dance. <laughs> who gives a fuck? It's so boring. And I, I'm not good at dancing. I'm only good at like um, being really drunk and thinking I'm awesome, which is a pretty big you know, pitfall that most of us fall into and whatever. But the idea also is that I always hold those two things next to each other, like this pinnacle of exciting ecstasy of kissing this boy and having all these this courage and it turning out good and it was all reciprocated. And then this shitty ex-boyfriend, you know, fucking ruining all of it. And, you know, yeah. Well, that it's sort of was, like my my King of Hearts thing is like it gets tainted until one thing changes it. And when you're like, OK, now I can start thinking about dances in this better way. You know, I have a like I, the old, like my redemption dance was not even the a, a high school dance. It was I went to a Naval Academy ball dance. This is very romantic. Like I feel like oh. I actually lived in a romance book for a while for a moment, because uh, I went to a Naval Academy ball. And I was, I think, in high school still, but my, you know, the guy I went with was in the Naval Academy. And his brother was my age. So not I like all the things we got a brother situation here. And it ended up being <laughs> super sleazy, too. And the brother walked in on me blowing this guy. I mean, it was oh. really... <laughs> Super awkward. But I also feel like when I think of dances, I can think now fondly of them because of this crazy Naval Academy ball. So there you go. 
Well, the other thing that's very key, aside from that peak experience I just described, for me, most of my memories of dances have nothing to do with romantic escapades, maybe romantic anticipation, but mostly it was my dumb girlfriends and I, we'd get wasted behind the grocery store across the street from the high school, and then we'd come in and pay our five bucks to get in the dance, and then we'd fucking go crazy dancing on the speakers and up on the stage and like to terrible like Motley Crue and Poison, which we loved that those bands and we were oh just God, idiots poison. and it was super fun. Like it was just an absolute being a total ding dong when you're completely buzzed and before the point where you start to feel sick or you need to go home or you get some other terrible idea about what else you should drink or, you know, who else you should make out with. Like I just remember dances were really about my friends and I like getting up to miss mischief and being ding-dongs and you know a lot of risk taking and how are we going to get the booze and where are we going to drink it and here smoke this cigarette it'll take the alcohol smell off your breath which one of my friends told me oh my gosh I know I know and then here big red big red will kill the beer smell no no it won't but anyway like that's my memories of it. Like you could have an- romantic anticipations, sure, but mostly it was my friends and I just being a big pack of idiots and, and you know and goofy. Well, you know what yeah. is actually uh I think that you know just to dip into the books for a second is just the idea that um Lori Hall Sanderson's prom I feel like catches that experience of just kind of being dumb with your friends and all of uh, sort of the normalcy of it as opposed to any kind of mysticism around it. It's one of the reasons I really like that book is that, you know, here are here's a girl who has not a lot of money and her family is kind of this kooky family and she works at like I think she has to like dress up as a something. She works at a pizza place and she has to dress up in some kind of mascot outfit. And um, like it, it just is really normal and, and she doesn't care about prom because she's like got a bunch of other shit that's on her mind. Right. And then she ends up having to kind of cobble it together because their prom funds are embezzled. Um, <laughs> I think like and the, the principal or vice principal embezzles them. And then Ash is like, all right, I'll figure this but out doesn't, for you guys. In that book, and I've read that book too long ago, and yeah. she has like an older boyfriend who like yes. has an apartment over a car wash or something real classy. And he doesn't get her you know, why she wants to work on this and take pride in this and the dance is dumb and and he just wants to like have sex with her and pretend they're adults and not do any babyish high school stuff. But she's finding all sorts of excitement and and uh like satisfaction out of out of making yeah, organized together. Yeah. 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 And, and you know what? That was that really hit close to home when I read it. <laughs> I mean I must have read it when I was younger too. Um because that's how mine, I mean, my boyfriend at the time that I was, would have gone to my senior prom, had dropped out of his own high school. You know, I think I've told you about this. He was the one who was selling pot out of his closet and had no interest in, in any. And owned at, a snake. Yeah, owned, owned a snake. A, an albino Burmese python and played Jesus. the upright bass. And he had no interest in any babyish things like prom. So it wasn't even on right. the table. You know, and plus we were kind of like hippies at the time anyway. So like that, that took it off the table too. Cause you know, we were so above that, you know, we were trying to get Grateful Dead tickets. We weren't fucking around with prom, right? you know, it was like that kind of thing. So, but I felt like that, that character, I think the guy, the boyfriend's name was TJ. Is that right? Um, and he, he was, he was like, ugh. You know, like he didn't get it. And I like that she kind of took ownership of it and kind of figured out and said, like, no, you know what? This is for my friends. It means something to them. Like, I like that. I thought it was really uh, a great story because it was in its own way. I mean, kind of normal. Also, like, really authentically true, which I think is so hard sometimes to find in YA where, you know, that balance of 
is it better to be really authentic here or is it better to create a fantasy? And believe well, me, I'm all for wish fulfillment. But when it comes to dances, it was nice to see that we weren't going to do that. Like we've had plenty of wish fulfillment dances. I, dance I agree. And I'm not really a big fan of wish fulfillment when it comes to, you know, depicting teenage lives because I, it's, that's not my, you know, wheelhouse or whatever. But I think a way to look at dances, if you didn't go to any or don't really know what they're like now or whatever, and this is, you know, uh, inside baseball for writers of YA, but look at the dance on a, as a series of layers, but start with the point of view of the school. The school is going to ask several, the principal will ask several teachers to chaperone the dance, which most teachers are obligated to do so many events at the school per year. And that's part of their contract. So, you know, oh, all right, I'm going to do the dance. I'm going to, you know, totally waste my Friday watching this stupid kids I've been with all week act like idiots. Fine. You know, so start there from their point of view and what they're circling around and what the rules are and what parts of the school or place they can't go into and then work down to, cause that's the official crust outside of the dance, but there's so much inside the whole layer cake of all the other things of the machinations of the kids of what they do before and after the dance of who, what they can get away with inside the building of what they try to get away with uh, before they come in. Um, you know, like the, the way that there'll be some boys who will be, you know, morons and really like too immature to handle the courtship issue or you know the kind of mating ritual and asking people to dance and so they'll do things like you know want to play fucking floor hockey or whatever the hell instead of dancing and and then there's the kids that are really comfortable dancing and so all of these things are like that's the the layer to look at it by instead of being like well I'm going to put just what my hopes were or my experience was because then it's going to have one layer yep. and yeah it's not going to be real. And I guess I'm really kind of against people putting these sort of idealistic situations as the jewel in the crown of somebody's, you know, life experience. Life. Yeah. Well, and you know what, it actually is why um, Brandy Colbert's point is so great. Because that right. dance scene is so fucking horrible on like so many levels, right? You know, and, and everything that went down and that whole thing was just shitty. You know, and right. and, and it, it sort of is, it's kind of great that she does it that way because I, you know, I guess to me, I like the sort of John Hughes part of, you know, John Hughes as 16 Candles where that dance was so shitty and boring and everything about that, you know, right. that opening kind of thing is like that I really like because I think like there's so many conversations and things all going on at once in that and she does a really nice job with it. Uh, even when you're just talking about from one person's point of view, you know, also, and we've talked about point before we've talked about Mindy Scott's free fall, which has a dance where the two people they don't really come together they come with other people but then they end up leaving and hanging out for it that I think is a really common thing um and then there's uh Siobhan Vivian's not that kind of girl where there's a Halloween dance and everyone has sort of a half-hearted crappy costume on and they're all focused on what's going to happen after the dance and the main character Natalie is like busy like trying to you know put M&Ms in a bowl and, you know, do all sorts of organizational bits for the event and not doing anything fun. And we've talked about those before. I think like the other part of the whole dance lore um, is there's like two functions, I think, of these kinds of events in, you know, a sociological sense. Like there's the you know, ecstatic feast and celebration element. Like we get together, we all dance and work out all of our, you know, happiness and frustration and, you know, sorrow in this sort of physical movement, which I think rarely happens in any sort of high school dance situation. Yeah, setting and, at then, all, really. and then there's this sort of formal, we are, we are going to display our, ourselves in a sort of uh, slow motion mating ritual where we all put our best Sunday best on and, uh, 
you know, kind of maneuver around to be seen. I think the the book I picked for our recommendations, we might as well start up, is um, Belle Epoque by Elizabeth Ross, um, where there's a girl who is being paid by a family to accompany their daughter to all the dances and social events so that she, she's, uh, the girl Maud is, plain and she's designed to make their daughter look more beautiful which is a crazy little service offered back in those days oh my gosh that's crazy that is and the, the whole book is really about you know Maud getting to be a part of this world where everything is glamorous and the clothes are beautiful and the things that they do are fancy and elaborate um but all the while being you know aware that she is not the center of any focus and that no one really cares what she does. And she goes to all sorts of events. It's a really fascinating book. And it's really fun to read for that reason, because you can to feel her excitement about it, but also, you know, that none of it's real. Um, and I love that. I, and, and none of it's real, even for the people involved, you know, looking for, you know, husbands or wives, it's all a big peacocky show. Um, but I think that aspect of, oh, and now we're going to take pictures and they're going to go on Instagram and we're going to see all of us and we're all going to be standing there and afterwards we'll all be standing there holding red solo cups and blah, blah, blah. You know, like that sort of uh, public display aspect, I think, is another big part of dances. Oh, and, and to this day, I mean, now I feel like one of the things that this did not happen when I was in high school, but now it's very big. I guess it's kind of more of a, it's not big in our community, but it's big up on the North Shore in the fancy, richier, richer communities. Um but that it's the even the ask the ask to prom is a really big deal and it's like this big like you know you know and it's not like spray painted on the highway it's much more like you know bring a million a whole marching band and a million balloons and a pizza that's written out in pepperoni go to the prom with right. me and it's such a big production that I'm like oh my gosh I like I, my getting engaged wasn't even that big of a production you know right. for me it was so uh, that kind of fanfare around even the ask now I just feel like I don't know what where when that started, what the buy-in to that was and why people decided that not only do you have to make a big fucking deal about the night, but now you have to make a big deal about the ask too. Um, do you guys have that in your community? They, that's definitely, I've seen that happen at various like sporting events um, where it seems kind of like a, a guy's idea of a prank, you know, because he usually has to have, it's usually a dude doing it, but um he has to have all sorts of like other people helping him with it and someone to, you know, hold up the sign or distract whoever it is. And there's a lot of planning, which I have to give that for a lot of boys don't do a lot of planning when it comes to, you know, uh, that kind of gesture. I think that's kind of funny. But yeah, it seems like that is like something they pull off more. And then you're supposed to hope for like, you know, this is going to get you a yes because it's so dramatic and it's so meaningful and special. And, um, you know, there's so much effort being given to it to start with. So that's, that's supposed to bode well in some way, I would guess. I don't, I don't know, but I know it's such a, because the thing is like, what happens when you don't want to go with that person? Oh God. Does it get awkward? I mean, I don't even know. I can't imagine. And then also too, I feel like it perpetuates this whole idea of this chase, you know, it turns into this big thing where it's like that you have to do all these big dramatic gestures and then I think about your stocky boyfriend and be like god what would have that dude have pulled off and then you know and then you would have been like no I still don't want to go with you you know you can right. come up here I with fucking balloons and and a bunch of things and I still don't want to go with you you know that that kind of um very public declaration you know where they they have that often in movies where this guy at the middle of somebody's party asks him to marry them and I think that is totally a kind of coercive thing it has nothing to do with all the people and it has you have 
everything to lose. I don't understand why anyone would ever do that. I remember I was even shy about asking the guy who was my friend and we were just going as friends to this dance and I knew him for years and years and whatever. And I remember feeling like, how am I going to do this? I don't want to do this with my own mouth. And so I like wrote it on a piece of paper. Like I wrote, do you want to go to this dance with me? Y N. And then oh my he, God, he like, you're so great. That's so classic. I love that you did that. And then he just like looked up and was like, sure. And he just nodded, you know, and I was like, okay, whoo, I gotta, don't have to worry about that. Cause I just, you know, I'm not good at that kind of thing was very uncomfortable. And so, and whenever I bitch about that, my husband is all like, yeah, well, that's what men have to endure all the time, you know, and I'm oh just my like, gosh, whatever. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. You know, in my kids uh, world that they're first of all, the even going to a dance with like a specific person is not does not happen very often as maybe as they get older. But freshman, she was like, no, no, none of everyone just goes with their friends. Even if you're like kind of seeing someone, it, it, you know, it doesn't work that way. So that was, you know, that's one part of it. And the the other part is, like, just, I, I keep thinking about this idea of the ask and, and what's required and, like, all of those things and thinking, gosh, th- that was such a huge part of my humiliating life when I was, you know, when I was a freshman and had to do that. I would never want to do it again. There, Like, everything, no. I feel like, just, I, you know, I mean, there's enough and can't I I think I I would probably if I could have texted it I wish I could have because then I would have just been like although then you would I would have been perseverating for two weeks about an unanswered text so I guess it all um, right is is the same kind of thing um but to go back to books um I do want to make a nod to for as much as you and I are lovers of authenticity in YA and trying to get as much of the real layered nuance experience as possible um, and not necessarily rely on wish fulfillment. I do want to make a nod to um, Robin Talley's What We Left Behind, um, mostly because I always want to make a nod to the wish fulfillment that's happening between for queer girls. Um, because I always think about how Melinda Lowe said, like, look at, we are not even at the place where we could have authentic sex. Like, if we could just get sex on the page, that would be so delightful. <laughs> and I always think about that. And I was like, yes, Melinda Lowe, give her all the wish fulfillment she wants. Give her the best prom ever, because I want that for queer girls. And in that, what's interesting about how Robin crafted this book, What We Left Behind, is she starts with the dance. So she basically starts with the these two characters, one who's genderqueer and one who is, I think she's a lesbian, and they are like sort of the it couple uh, of their high school. Like, you know, the queer, all the queer kids in the high school are like really admiring of them. They think that there's nothing that could go wrong. They have this really amazing prom. They have all this, you know, like, all, I, 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 I even want to say they're like, crown somehow you know like everything that great could happen around this does at this prom and then of course the whole book unravels from there um which i think is a good and interesting setup and it's cool to be able to say and so again like shout out to the queer girls who say like you have your wish fulfillment is the the very beginning of that book which you know between tony and gretchen and how great their prom is because i think also the the idea of like I think dances are heavily feminine and prized on the feminine side and coded in a very high femme way the idea that a boy would buy into that and ask you and want to wear a tux and all that stuff is it's like you've almost won something and so the dynamic is totally different when it's two girls who they're the stakes are completely different about going to this thing and dressing up and being specific and fancy and, and elegant. Like that seems to have a totally different uh, set of values in it that is fascinating, you know, because there seem the tension about like this patriarchal, will the, will the dude give in and go to the dance and be nice and not step on her feet and, you know, bring her a corsage and all that. Like that's a very time worn 
uh, conflict. But now we're not, that conflict doesn't have to be there necessarily, especially with uh, two girls. So I, it, it's fascinating how, how you can mix up these tropes and do really cool stuff with them, you yeah. know? Yeah, agree. Agree. Okay, are we, are you ready to unveil our new Oh, yeah, yeah. We, feature? We, yes, we definitely We have a new should. feature. <laughs> Yay. Yay, Karen. Um, uh, yes. Okay, so, oh. oh, yeah, that's you. Go. Oh, wait, that's me. Okay. Well, so here's our new feature. Um, we are working in partnership with our friends over at teenlibrarientoolbox.com. If you haven't been to their website, go there. They're up on almost everything going on in the young adult lit world and the library world and there's just tons of information there for lots of different people we've asked them to come on each uh, episode to discuss three books that they recommend that fit with our topic today the school dances um, and this will help uh, add to your book list and help you with reader advisory or just uh, find something that you'd like to read on that topic so uh, we have Karen Jensen talking to Krista and telling us a little bit about some books on school dances that she think y'all might want to check out. Okay, thank you so much. So I was given the topic of books somehow involve a school dance, and I interpreted this incredibly loosely at times to fit my needs. Um, the first book I want to talk to you about is called Backlash. It's by Sarah Dara Littman, um, and it is about um, – a young lady who used to be not so popular and has gotten kind of popular in recent time on the cheerleading squad and all that stuff happens. And she is waiting for Christian to ask her to the homecoming dance. Um, but she's surprised when one day Christian writes something horrible on her Facebook wall um, and just absolute chaos unfolds for her. Um, this is a book about cyberbullying, um, but it's not an after-school special type of book. It's a really intense and is interesting book about things which um, I know a lot of teens actually have personally faced. Um, Lara does end up, um, she does end up um, attempting to take her own life, which we know there's a lot of unfortunate real-life stories that happened, um, and far too many people are successful, um, and it's a horrible thing that happens. Um, and it's just a really thought-provoking book. Um, so it's not really about a dance, but, um, it does involve anticipation of a dance. So that was my jumping off point for, um, including this really important and timely book. And the author speaks in really great teenage language. I think teens will immediately be drawn into it and relate to it, um, and feel like it's authentic. And this is something that could happen, you know, in their school. The second book is a book called Pretty Amy. It's kind of an, actually an older book. It's by Lisa Burstein. Um, and it is about Amy and some of her friends who are going to their prom, and they end up on prom night getting arrested. Um, on the cover of the book, you see her sitting in her prom dress in a jail cell. Um, she is then sentenced to some community service. And the book is about everything that happens afterwards to her as she kind of comes to understand who she is and how she feels about herself and um, the true nature of friendship. Cause obviously it was things that she was doing with her friends that ended up getting her arrested to begin with. Um, there is a companion novel to pretty Amy called dear Cassie, um, which tells the story of Cassie's kind of redemption after that night in prison. Also prison, I say prison, it's jail, like community jail, but still the book dear Cassie is also notable because it was one of the few YA novels that talks about abortion. But both of these novels together, you know, take a really good and hard look at um, self-acceptance and the nature of friendship and kind of like how we can be led to make really bad choices ourselves. But they're also good because they also talk about the idea that we can, I don't want to use the word redeem, be redeemed, because that's kind of, you know, intense or whatever. But, you know, we can then eventually make different choices and go on a different path. And the last book I want to talk to you about is The Last Boy and Girl in the World by Siobhan Vivian, um, which is one of my favorite books of 2016, and I really wish it had gotten um, more love than it got. When you see the cover and you see the title, you're probably thinking this is some dystopian you know, novel about literally the last boy and girl in the world. 
Um, but it is not a dystopian novel. It is a contemporary fiction novel. Um, and it is about a town called Aberdeen, which is flooding. So and it's kind of like, I don't know geogra- geographically what the like, term is, but it's kind of like in this valley. So it's flooding. And it happens to be a poorer community. So the richer community nearby decides that they're just going to kick everybody out of the town and let the town flood to meet their purposes. And they can do that, apparently, because they have the money and the power and the politics on their side. So in this town is a young lady. Her name is Keeley. And she kind of develops this devil may care, like the world as we know it, her world is ending. So she's going to do every single thing that she can think of um, in her hometown to kind of make these moments count. And one of them does involve this really beautiful dance scene um, where everybody gets dressed up and goes to what, you know, would be their senior kind of spring fling prom type thing. Um, But of course it ends up getting rained out and becomes this huge, you know, mudslide bath type thing. But it's the story of Keeley, who's the last girl, um, and Levi, who is the town sheriff. And he's kind of in a position where he's kind of recruited to help everybody evacuate their homes. So he's, his dad is the sheriff. So he's kind of has a more practical trying to be the, you know, do the right thing kind of guy. And Keeley and Levi, their, their two paths end up crossing. And they, um, in a really powerful scene, do in fact become the last boy and girl in this world of Aberdeen. I I liked that book a lot, too. I wish it had gotten a a lot more, I don't know, love, I guess, to it, too. I thought that was a really well-written book. And, you know, the politics of today and lots of things all going on at once in terms of climate stuff. And it was fascinating. I thought it was really well done. And uh, but not too sciencey and so it was nice um good picks thanks karen thank you so much we can't wait to talk to you for our next topic which at this point we don't know what it's going to be yet but we are so glad that you are now part of the oral history podcast for your quick take on great books so thanks for being with us thank you so much for having me all right talk to you soon bye Bye. excellent um okay well, we should, yeah, we should probably be wrap finished. it up, huh? Um, yeah, you know, I just wanted to say, Carrie, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that this is not probably irrelevant to our, our listeners, but I just wanted to say that now that we're at the beginning of February, that you and I are just weeks away from Fifty Shades Darker happening. Which oh, yes! <laughs> yes! Like, what a strange thing to be super excited about. But that, um, watching these movies with you has been a great joy in my life. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting to watch that with you. Um, yes. Well, and since we both left Twitter, we can't really live tweet it. We'll have to come up with a different way to record our reactions. Because we are going to go see it the week it opens um, and hopefully do a show on it because it was so fun last I, time. It totally and, was. I feel like we should Lord. definitely do a follow-up on that. So maybe next time, because I know we want to talk about, we want to do another episode about um, romance tropes that we're interested in. So I know maybe that one we can somehow bring that into that conversation. Um, We hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, Thank you listeners for your feedback and your book recommendations. Um, If you have any, if you ever want to just drop us a line, we love hearing from you. We're at feedback at the oral history podcast.com. And you can sign up for our tiny letter at the www, the oral history podcast.com. So until next time, remember, sex and books are two things that are better when you talk about them. Goodbye. Bye.